Jazz Insights is brought to you by Community Music Centers of Atlanta, conveniently located in Little Five Points, Decatur, and Dunwoody. For more information, visit them online at cmcatlanta.com. This is Gordon Vernick with Jazz Insights. Today I would like to continue with the music of Stan Getz and his relationship with what was called the Second Herd, which was Woody Herman's second incarnation of his very successful big band. In 1947, Stan Getz was living in Los Angeles, as was Woody Herman. But let's talk about the sound of Woody Herman's second herd, which is very unusual sound. In his saxophone section, he was using three tenors and a baritone saxophone. Usually in a saxophone section, you would hear what's called an alto or the the high voice, two altos, two tenors, and baritone. Now, the sound of three saxophones you would think might be a little on the low or the muddy side, but the way the arrangers wrote for this particular saxophone section gave it a beautiful, deep, and rich sound. The sound of the three saxophones really comes from a man by the name of Gene Rowland, who was a very important arranger and composer who had been experimenting with the groups using just tenor saxophones in New York. He eventually moved to Los Angeles and formed a group with, uh, I believe it was three saxophones and a baritone and rhythm section. They were playing at a nightclub. Ralph Burns, who was a very important composer who had been writing for many of the groups in Los Angeles and Woody Herman's group, heard this group playing with the three tenors and the baritone, and he was just blown away by the sound. And he went to Woody Herman, who was thinking about reforming his group again, and said, you have to hear this. And Stan Getz was in that group. To make a long story short, Woody Herman heard it, and he hired the entire saxophone section. Now, all the tenor players in this group were all um, we call Lester Young disciples. It includes Zoot Sims, Herbie Stewart, um, of course, Stan Getz, and a great baritone saxophonist from Boston by the name of Serge Shaloff. Eventually, Al Cohn would replace uh, Herbie Stewart, and that was the, what they called the Four Brothers. Back to the story of Woody Herman. So he forms his second incarnation of the band, and they called it the Second Herd. Probably the most famous song that they recorded, and the one that's really associated with that Second Herd from 1947, is an arrangement done by Jimmy Jufri, who was a tenor player also in the group. And he wrote a piece called The Four Brothers, and it features all the saxophone players. So we're going to check out this wonderful arrangement of The Four Brothers, which features the three tenor players and the baritone player, uh, Sarah Shaloff. Each saxophone player gets a chance to play a solo. They, they all sound very similar in that they are strongly influenced by Lester Young, but the last soloist is Getz. So let's listen to that head again so you can really hear the sound of The Four Brothers, and then we'll jump over to Stan Getz's solo. Thank you. 
All the tenor players have a very similar sound in that they strongly influenced by Lester Young. And, and, and Lester, he was strongly influ- influenced by Frankie Trumbauer, who played the C melody saxophone, which sounds like an alto. So they all have a certain alto saxophone quality to their tenor playing, and it's very similar. Wonderful uh, balance and, and just a great texture in that group. And that second herd was together until about 1949 or 1950. So the Four Brothers is kind of their theme song. But the recording that really put Stan Getz on the map was a 1948 recording of um, Early Autumn, which was part of Ralph Burns' summer sequence. So he had a, a multi-movement piece that had was reflective of the different seasons. And this last part of it was called Early Autumn. It's a beautiful, beautiful ballad. And at the very end of it, Stan plays one of the most magnificent solos I've ever heard. It's not a lot of notes, but the way he crafts his melody and the timing and the and just the phrasing, the lyricism is, is just to die for. We're going to listen to two versions of Early Autumn. We're going to listen to the original, his solo, and then we're going to listen to a live version of it recorded, I believe, a few months later. So this is Stan Getz's solo on Early Autumn, and this is the recording that really put him on the map in terms of, of an innovative jazz musician. many adjectives you could use to describe um, Stan Getz's sound, and the one that on that particular recording I would say languid. He was very well respected by his peers. There are quotes from um, many other musicians about, you know, his sound and the way he crafts his melody. Just fabulous. We're going to listen to the same arrangement recorded a few months later in a live situation, and his solo is completely different, which is which is really great. You know, Woody Herman in his second herd was really a, a big band that played bebop. Uh, Woody Herman's approach for that second group was strongly influenced by, you know, Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker, and you hear a lot of similarities. If you listen to, you know, Gillespie's big band from the late 40s and Woody Herman's band, there, there's some great similarities. Had great soloists, all well-equipped to use this new bebop vocabulary. But let's check out this live recording of Early Autumn where um, Stan plays a much longer solo, and it's very different, but it is, again, it's just beautifully crafted. Thank you. 
You would think that with that melodic gift, he would have written quite a few songs, but um, Stan really didn't write a lot of compositions. He also had a, a photographic, a musically photographic memory. He could hear something once and uh, it will be memorized. It will be, you know, written into his the hard drive of his brain. Um, and there's um, some kind of funny stories um, about him early on in his career where he would play one night with a band and then just close the book and put it under his chair and the band leader would say, well, where's your music? And he said, I, I have it memorized. So he had a really an uncanny ability to hear something and then just have it under his fingers for the rest of his life. Um, so he played with that second herd uh, with Woody Herman throughout the latter part of the 40s, but also was making recordings with many other groups. And I have to say that that was probably, of all the Woody Herman orchestras, my favorite group with those saxophone players. Al Cohn eventually replaced uh, Herbie Stewart, so you had Zoot Sims, Al Cohn, Serge Chaloff, and Stan Getz. I mean... Lord, that doesn't get much better than that. We're going to listen to another track from that same group um, that Woody Herman second heard. This is Keeper of the Flame. You know, they could play, you know, slow ballads. They could do really, really fast pieces in the bebop style. And this is one of those pieces that's really very aggressive, and you really get to hear Stan playing some great bebop lines on Keeper of the Flame, 1947-1950 and they made a series of recordings um, in the studio and I'd like to close the show with one of my favorite Getz recordings from the 1940s and again th this particular track shows off that great sense of melody and it's an old standard entitled Pennies from Heaven so let's go out with Stan Getz 1949 playing with the great uh, jazz pianist Al Haig in his quartet <laughs> Thank you. 
This has been Jazz Insights with Dr. Gordon Vernick. Visit me on the web at gordonvernick.com. Jazz Insights is produced by WMLB AM 1690, the voice of the arts in Atlanta, Georgia. You've been listening to Jazz Insights with Dr. Gordon Vernick. Jazz Insights is brought to you by Community Music Centers of Atlanta, conveniently located in Little Five Points, Decatur, and Dunwoody, or online at cmcatlanta.com.